their joy, they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Like that friend who comes over unannounced and goes through your fridge, when Jesus shows up, Jesus will ask something of you. I'll tell you what, I'm going to come back to that. It's been a while since I've been with y'all, and I want to tell you the story of the Maundy Thursday Foot Clinic since this congregation, the staff, and the clergy were instrumental in making it happen, both by being generous and by being present. And I want to tell not just the story of the day of the event, I want, to, I want you to know how we got there. Planning for the event started with a conversation I was having with a student in mid-January. We were talking about something tangible we could do for those experiencing homelessness in the area and as a way to involve the campus in service opportunities. Now, around that time, the clergy from the cathedral went to Lodestar Day Resource Center at the Human Services campus to find out about how homelessness may be changing in our area. And in that meeting, it was mentioned how important foot care is for the people they see there. Eventually, we arrived at either doing a foot clinic, preferably on Monday, Thursday, or doing uh, laundry love. And if you don't know what laundry love is, that's when you open up a laundromat for those experiencing homelessness to have a place to wash their clothes. And if the idea of that sounds exciting to you, come talk to me or Myra. We might be looking at doing that in the next couple of months. Anyway. That day, my student and I ran into Myra, and we pitched these ideas. And by the end of the day, we had the archdeacon of the diocese, Sarah Getz, on board, and the dean of ASU's College of Nursing and Health Innovation on board. The dean referred us to the community nursing program, and hey, bonus, one of the faculty there had done something similar with her congregation in Tempe. So we had the date, we had a planning team, and a need for socks. Now we needed a place. We considered doing this project here at the cathedral on the labyrinth or in the civic space downtown, but we decided to go where the people we wanted to serve already were. And the easiest place to do that was the Human Services campus down around Jackson and 15th. The faculty from ASU and I approached Central Arizona Shelter Services and Lodestar. And they're the ones who put us in touch with the dining room at St. Vincent de Paul. And they're the ones who said yes. In addition to the medical professionals involved in this congregation, or in ordained ministry, or from ASU, we approached a podiatrist who already works with the Human Services Campus. That way, if we ran into any issues that we had to deal with medically, we had someone we could refer to who also was going to be there twice a month anyway. Now we needed socks. And our hope was that folks who came to the clinic would be able to receive sock sacks filled with pairs of socks, granola bars, water bottles, nail clippers, and nail files. We got the bishop's permission to collect socks at the annual clergy retreat. The members of the planning team called in favors with congregations we had been affiliated with, including here. We set a goal of getting 1,000 pairs of socks. And by the end of our collection, your generosity 
combined with the generosity of others, either directly gave us or enabled us to purchase 1,200 pairs of socks. The youth group at St. Matthew's Episcopal Church in Chandler took our first big stash of socks to create 225 of those sock sacks. Then at the end of our sock collection, the youth groups at St. Augustine's and Epiphany and Tempe, along with all of the campus ministries of ASU, were able to enhance those sacks so that by the end we had 250 of them and they each contained four pairs of socks. And we had a pair of socks left over for every single person we saw on Monday Thursday. Then came the day of the event, and Trinity Cathedral contributed one quarter of the 40 volunteers we had that day. And our volunteers joined us from over a dozen different parishes, community organizations, and academic units at ASU. The event exceeded all of our expectations. We thought we would have enough volunteers to run eight foot washing stations. We had enough volunteers to run 14. We thought we would serve somewhere in the neighborhood of 130 people. We served 180. People who were not so sure about washing the feet of the homeless jumped in. One such volunteer washed feet for three hours straight, even when we offered an opportunity for him to take a break. In the chapel that was right across the hall from the room we were washing feet, clergy and lay people from St. Vincent de Paul, from the Mennonite tradition, from St. Mary's Basilica, a couple of deacons from our diocese, gave talks about the Stations of the Cross and were present to be a listening voice, excuse me, a listening ear to the people who were waiting in line. We were able to donate a significant amount of supplies to the health clinic attached to that campus. We were able to donate the rest of the sock sacks to St. Vincent de Paul, and they distributed those to whoever arrived to sleep there that night. And all over the place that morning, slivers of the reign of God broke through. We saw it in the gratitude of those we served as they thanked us. In the words of one man who talked to me, the foot scrubbing was heaven. The lotioning was heaven. These new socks are heaven. I saw it in the face of a man who came up to me to tell me the story of God's good work in his life. We saw it in the face of our volunteers as they provided care. They recognized the humanity of the people sitting right in front of them. We saw it in the young woman who, after her feet were washed, she turned around and washed the feet of three other people. Those who were served became servants. At the debriefing we held for our volunteers, all of them said that they saw hope all over in the midst of the day, and all of them said they want to come back and do it again. Trinity, you helped make this possible. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your presence. And thank you for your prayers as we were leading up to that event. And where was I? All right. When Jesus shows up, Jesus will ask something of you. The season of Easter goes on for another four Sundays, but this is the last Sunday of the season that we'll hear about an appearance of Jesus after the resurrection. Our reading from the gospel today is the fifth of six post-resurrection episodes that serve to provide assurance of Jesus' resurrection in the gospel of Luke. 
And in the story that we're hearing today, we can divide it up into four different parts in order to watch how Luke moves us toward the wonderful ending of his gospel. The scene at this moment is that the 11 disciples are together. Two other disciples who had run into Jesus on the road to Emmaus and who recognized Jesus in the breaking of bread before Jesus pulls a Houdini and disappears had just run back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples what they had seen. And so in the midst of at least these 13 people talking excitedly about what has been going on on this day of the resurrection, Jesus shows up in the middle of them. First, he tells them to look at him and to go ahead and touch him to prove that he's not a ghost or a spirit. Second, he's hungry and he asks for food and he eats a piece of fish in their presence and it's not brains, so we know he's not a zombie. Third, Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures, which show that his death and his resurrection are signs of the reign of his kingdom come near. Fourth, he names them as witnesses. They have seen in Jesus the fulfillment of God's plan for the world's salvation. And by the very nature of that plan, they are called to share that knowledge. In these four movements, Jesus leads his disciples from fear and bewilderment and wondering and amazement, and he brings them back to earth with his own materiality and fleshiness, his very body. And it's a reminder that they should be hospitable in offering food, but it pushes them into hope as he opens their minds to understand everything that has happened, and then he fills them with purpose as he gives them an identity as witnesses to something extraordinary. But when Jesus showed up, he asked something of them. He asked them to give, and he asked them to go. Have you anything to eat? asks Jesus. You are to be witnesses, says Jesus. And so doing, Jesus anchors the resurrection in the real world, where real people really live. Real people eat. Jesus eats. The Christian faith is not a disembodied, abstract religious feeling. It's not a faith that only ripens in heaven. The resurrected Messiah does not transform his followers into spirits who are free from earthly concerns because they are above it all. And the honor of seeing him appear after the resurrection was not simply a reward to be cherished. It was a meeting with divine purpose. He reminded them to give by calling them to hospitable practice. He called them to go and proclaim the news of a reign of good. We get a similar treatment in our own lives of faith. An experience of the triune God may be welcome, and it may be an experience that words will never do justice to. But it's also the case that the experience may not be for you alone. You may be called to give witness to something amazing that God has done for you to help someone else make sense of their own life. You may be called to give of that which God has blessed you with. You may be called to go and witness to the work of God elsewhere. You may be called to go and be the hands and feet of Christ in the world. How might God be calling you and us to give? Where might 
God be calling you and us to go. Amen.